I am Ohiro Oni Isele. Ruminations is the podcast where I discuss matters of life. Vanity now reigns in a world where love, humane values, respect, and generosity are too. All forms of hatred are increasingly becoming the building blocks of a cottage industry that is reshaping a world that could otherwise do without social injustice, more hate, more malice, and unimaginable levels of bigotry. Therefore, we leave ourselves and posterity in a situation where those who consider pride, mistrust, hate, and cruelty as virtues are increasingly the ones with the closest access to the loudest megaphones. They are also now increasingly the ones with the most power in their hands, and they are neither ashamed nor afraid to wield their evil assets to the detriment of the societies that gave them life. But how did we get here? When did we choose to become so outrageously misguided as human beings? When did we decide that it was better to become a self-destructive world that is careening without bricks toward a bottomless ditch? Well, I don't know. And I don't know anyone who knows. I don't even know if I'm supposed to know. But perhaps I should. Perhaps we all should know. And we should know if there is a chance for us to hope that it is possible for us as a collective to start our needed journey toward recovery. I may not know many things, but there is this one thing that I know, that it was never supposed to be this way. We have left behind a time when a person's word was his or her bond. A time when people were recognized and respected for their humanity. Now we celebrate people for the sizes of their bank accounts, the weight of their wallets, and the amount of material possessions that they have acquired, regardless of the manner in which they acquired those possessions. Yes, even if we know that their hands are unclean, we celebrate them. Society now frequently judges the quality and stature of a man by his wealth rather than by the quality of his character. People and institutions are afraid to rein in a rich man for bad behavior, while those that we perceive as poor have just about lost their right to be considered human. Consequently, it seems to me that advocates for the poor must now work harder than they ever did to ensure that the poor and disabled are fed, that the poor and disabled are clothed and housed, and that the less privileged among us can maintain a hope that somehow, someday, our world can notice them again, that our world can regain a conscience 
and become a just world that includes them. Really, it was never supposed to be this way. Unfortunately, the task of caring advocates of equality and justice is made more difficult because even the poor and oppressed now have among them very large contingents of bigoted and ignorant individuals that are cheerleaders for their oppressors. As a result, hateful bigotry, pride and cruelty have become prevalent at all levels of society, even among those who virtually live in houses of worship. Truly, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Throughout history, wars have been fought against bigotry. That was the reason for the Second World War. It was also the reason for the American Civil War and even America's involvement in Kosovo as recently as 1999. Today, the hateful rhetoric constantly directed at individuals and groups has increasingly become a worldwide phenomenon. Just look around the world. Just take a look around the world. And we see that over and over and over again. It does not help that elected national leaders who should protect and guarantee the welfare of all people think it's all right to mock the disabled, take delight in intimidating and assaulting women, and or endorse the actions of racist groups that ought to be banished from the face of the earth. Just take a look around the world. The inhumanity that is perpetrated by racist and oppressive police officers, the Islamic State, Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda, the Ku Klux Klan, Latin American drug lords, and other terrorist groups around the world are such that one is left wondering when the world went off the rails and what hope there is for future generations. Even take a look at the xenophobic attacks that are happening in so many countries around the world. It was never supposed to be this way. Today we have people all over the globe who wish that slavery never ended. People who deny that the Holocaust ever happened despite all evidence. People who would have our world apologize for standing against ethnic cleansing. And we have authority figures who would rather that a big part of our population did not exist because those people possess the wrong skin color, they bear the wrong names, live on the wrong side of the tracks, practice the wrong religion and belong to the wrong political parties and in every case the wrong this wrong that whatever is unacceptable is determined by a group or groups that 
have found themselves in positions to be dominant over, the, over others. In today's politics, it is no longer sufficient or even necessary to debate ideas. People must now shout and beat down their opponents, who they believe they must present as inferior and terrible human beings unworthy of respect. Society now honors those who can shout the loudest and rewards them with adoration, money, and promotion. Those who would rather pull their heads down and work to improve the lot of the less privileged are attacked as unpatriotic, yes, ungodly, immoral, divisive, destructive to the stability of established structures, and uncommitted to the common good. Interesting. Therefore, talk radio and television hosts and their guests must now shout at one another to maintain high ratings. Pastors must shout at their congregation through microphones, extort their members and turn their evangelical ministries and sermons into show business deliveries to build up their prestige and fill their pews with people hungry for entertainment rather than the truth even in the house of God. It was never supposed to be this way. Regardless of race, class or culture, many men in today's world continue to perpetuate the old faulty thinking that they must shout down and physically beat their female partners if they are to be considered qualified to lay claim to manhood. That one was only a man if he could dominate a woman was never how it was supposed to be. But why have we so often stayed quiet and just watched when tyranny has reared its head in our neighbors' homes, our streets, our institutions, including our places of work and worship? Why do we stay quiet or laugh when our friends denigrate others, either in their absence or to their faces? Why did I keep quiet when I overheard someone say that the confirmation hearings for Clarence Thomas to become Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States constituted, quote, a great lecture in black sexuality? Really, here was a graduate student at the time who must have been in his mid to late 30s at that time in the early 90s. He was neither a kid nor an illiterate by any means. Our country was glued to television, learning about sexual harassment in high places because a Supreme Court nominee, Clarence Thomas, was alleged to have sexually harassed a young woman, Anita Hill, who had by the time of these hearings become a brilliant professor of law at one of our universities. This was years after she had been supervised as a young lawyer by Clarence Thomas. As we watched our male senators working very hard to deny the existence of sexual harassment 
by trashing Professor Anita Hill, all that this guy could glean from the hearings was, quote, a lecture in black sexuality. Because, after all, Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill were both black professionals. It did not matter to him that all of the senators trying to rip Professor Hill apart for the benefit of Mr. Thomas were white men, or that, a sexual, or that sexual harassment cut across race, ethnicity, and even nationality. But why did I keep quiet despite feeling outraged by that comment? That, for me, is the question now. Well, I knew then, as I now know, exactly why I kept quiet. I said nothing because I did not want to be branded by the group. I knew that at the time, and I know that now. But why decades later did I only tacitly show disapproval and disgust? When a man told me that the spouse of a woman that we both knew should have her undergo facial plastic surgery to improve her looks. Why did I keep quiet and continue a conversation, any conversation, with him, rather than shut him down and hang up the phone on him after he apologized to me and then repeated the comment? Well, I know you don't like that comment, Ohiro, he said to me. I'm sorry that you're offended. But have you seen her face? He asked with a chuckle. I ignored his question, ignored his comment, and changed the subject. In retrospect, I regret that I said nothing to him. I regret that my reaction was insufficient. I regret that although I let him know just through my action, that I considered his comment inappropriate, I did not do much more to actually put him down and put him in his place. But why didn't I do that? Why also did I remain in that church decades ago when a visiting preacher said he was thankful that his God had made him an American he was grateful that God had him born in the United States instead of, quote, a place like Africa. He said that without even the sense of presence or caring to know that there might be someone in that church, someone like me, who was born in Africa, as if being born in Africa was a terrible thing. Why did I stay through the service instead of getting up and walking out? A place of worship, no less, wasn't, and still isn't, supposed to be that way. We can all think of times when we kept quiet and did nothing, when inhumane words we have spoken in our presence about other people. Often, we do so either because we do not want to get into an argument 
offend the offensive person or stand the risk of being disliked by someone. Sometimes it is because the offensive person is one with power and authority over us, so we stay quiet so as not to rock the boat. Yet, by staying quiet in such circumstances when we should stand up, we become complicit. But how do I see this? As I see it, this is an increasingly unjust world replete with failed institutions and organizations, failed leaders and failed followers. Our world has lost its way and must begin a journey back to basics. Every single one of us must play a part in taking our world on that journey back to basics. Every day, we are digging for ourselves holes from which we must begin to climb out because it could become too late. So, I think we must each resolve to stand against injustice and wickedness when they occur. I believe that we should condemn cruel comments when they are expressed around us, and we must strive to become light bearers in our places of work and worship, and in our neighborhoods, our communities, and our nations. We should long and work for a day when love, justice, and truth take their rightful places in the, in the community of mortals. I say this knowing that I may be asking too much, but it is perhaps also because there is a part of me that believes in the inherent goodness of man. This is not to say that I think that man is by nature good and perfect, but that I believe that it is possible for man to possess, attain, and display some measures of goodness, because man, after all, was made in the image of God, the Creator.